Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Good morning. Welcome to Thursday's Cork Today. Our lines are open 0818-103-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Ahead on this morning's programme, the cost of living protests return this month as oil companies record record profits in just three months, not just millions, but billions. We're going to speak with Deputy McBarry, who is one of those behind the campaign shortly on the programme. Also discussing changes to the Fair Deal Scheme, which sees the nursing home resident hold on to more rental income but does the change go far enough Nat O'Connor from Age Action will join us and Breakthrough Cancer Research is celebrating 10 years of research and recently announced a 2 million euro injection into research funding to find urgent new treatments and improve early detection for Ireland's 7 most lethal cancers we're going to speak to one Cork woman who was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer 3 years ago and this is one of the cancers breakthrough are focusing on. She'll join us after 11 this morning. Also our guard of file later in the show and after 12.30, pet advice with Jane. If you have a question for a pet in your house, uh, get that in to us and we'll put that to Jane later. Our lines as they are open 0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. But a lot of talk about the weather and when we spoke yesterday on our gardening slot to Peter Dowdall and, and he gave his views on what he thinks is happening with the weather down to climate change it does seem that October was warmer than May this year in Ireland as weather conditions they continue to fluctuate and when you look forward to the next number of months one climatologist has warned that first of all last month was the 17th consecutive month that was warmer than usual uh, but that isn't going to last because seemingly snow has been predicted to reach Ireland in less than two weeks with weather charts saying flakes of snow could fall around Sunday, November the 13th. Now, this climatologist, John Sweeney, he has said, although last month was warmer than May, it won't last and we will see a cooling off period. But the dramatic swing in temperatures is a warning, he says, about what climate change is doing. Now, yesterday was a complete washout with flooding in many areas again. 
and temperatures are expected to stay and reach around 15 degrees at the weekend. But when we ever mention climate change, uh, people always say, no, it's just due to the weather cycles. Uh, And interesting, today is Climate Action Day. And John Gibbons, who we've spoken to before on the programme, he is an an environmental journalist and he uh, has outlaid the facts and the myths behind uh, those. And one of those is when people say Ireland is too small to have any impact uh, globally on the change or why should we change or cut our own emissions because we're just a small country and he says that it's a myth because the fact is according to John Gibbons the top 1% of the world's most wealthy people account for almost half of all global emissions overall emissions produced by 5 million Irish people are equivalent to the total emissions produced by over 300 million people in sub-Saharan Africa and he says if you fly regularly your personal emissions will be among the highest in the world. Another reason he says why Ireland's per capita emissions are among the highest in the world is our huge herd of more than 7 million beef and dairy cattle which produce large amounts of methane of course which is a powerful heat trapping gas so uh, if people say why are we doing all what we can do for climate change when we're a small country uh, he says that's the myth and the facts there are just read out is why Ireland should be doing more when it comes to climate change uh, but on the I mean we do produce the best, the best beef and meat in the world uh, so when they again mention the agri industry there and beef and, and dairy cattle I mean that that is what we do in this country we have a large agri sector that does contribute to the overall economy of the country so I think uh, that would need to be protected and we have had debates about that on this show over the last number of years and so how many farmers have said they are willing to diversify and many are but still when it comes to the herd uh, and cattle in this country it is something that we do and it's what we produce and that simply can change uh, overnight anyhow so your viewers are welcome on that regarding climate change and then you would have heard Barry there on the news regarding uh, the sunshine we get in this country and the sunny southeast well that does live up to its name Wexford is officially the sunniest place in the country. Uh, researchers looking across Ireland, uh, Malinhead and Donegal, the darkest place seemingly, only 117 uh, sunshine hours there. Belmolish in County Mayo, also Gertine in County Sligo, and Valencia in Kerry, along with Shannon in Clare. Uh, they complete what they say are the top five gloomiest places because they'll get the least sunshine. Uh, Cork Airport was 144 hours of sunshine, but by by contrast, Johnstown in County Wexford, it's the sunniest place in the country with 162.8 sunshine hours per month. So there we are. Of course, the reason they look at sunshine is the vitamin D that we all receive from sunshine. But there are areas of Ireland that get darker and don't get as much sunshine as others. But it seems the south anyhow do well and uh, sunny southeast living up to the name. And then from weather to an interesting stat that's coming out from the UK. And this is that there are 80,000 fewer Irish people living in England and Wales today than there was in 2011. Uh, Similarly, while there's just over 324,000 Irish still living in England and Wales, if you're factoring in the peak of 1961, there's a 20% drop of people who are living in England and Wales from Ireland. And there's a number of reasons for this. Back in the 60s, people were leaving Ireland to seek work and many of them would have moved to uh, Leeds and Manchester, London and other areas. And some would say 
many people are going back to Leeds and Manchester and Liverpool and those areas in the north of England and more so uh, for work but also they know that they can actually go and buy a house in those locations compared to staying here and unable uh, to purchase a house. Now things have changed and there was a lot of people moving over to the north of England and indeed Scotland over the summer months. The economy in England has changed in the last month and not too sure how things are for house purchasing there at the moment but it was a thing when we heard that from people firsthand who were moving. Uh, many had were working for companies who had offices in Manchester. They were moving over there because they could never see themselves purchasing a home here in Ireland, be that in Cork, be that in Dublin or elsewhere in the country due to the costs of the housing market, but also if they wanted to move home for example, look at areas of Cork uh, like Middleton or indeed Clonakilty, where house prices have increased huge uh, and many people who are from those areas simply can't get in the property ladder there, can't move home to purchase a house so th- many people were telling us during the summer that they had no choice just to leave and some were going to those cities but uh, while if they did go it hasn't made up for the shortfall of the Irish living there and the lower number tells two stories I suppose because after years of people working in Britain, many Irish that were there have sold their homes and moved back here to Ireland and sadly many others have died but it is interesting that Irish people now, while we heard from so many who are still moving to the UK a lot of people as you know will move to the likes of Australia and Canada and other countries including America still uh, for work or just maybe for the adventure of going away for a year and then we have seen the Australian Health Service from Victoria in particular who have been targeting Irish nurses to go and work in Melbourne and in the last few days the Canadian Health Service they now are in Ireland and it seems they're aggressively targeting Irish nurses to move to Canada uh, not just for work but for a better quality of life and outside of the life maybe they can uh, get themselves a house or purchase a home there or even rent because at the moment you can't get to rent a room and a house share or rent a house not to mind own your own house so the health services in other countries targeting Ireland which again then is leaving a knock-on effect here because the health service themselves have said they are finding it tough to recruit nurses into the system here. Many nurses will tell you they're overworked and then they have to deal with everything else that every other worker is dealing with, the the cost of living and all of that. So that's why uh, there's an advantage maybe to moving elsewhere in the world if you're given better conditions and better rates of pay. Uh, We'll see what happens with that. Will will that put more pressure on the health service over the next few years if people do leave and work in Australia and indeed Canada? And speaking of homes, uh, the uh, promise clamped down. Remember during the summer uh, and earlier on this year, the government said they would clamp down on Airbnbs and other short-term lettings uh, that were basically hoping to use as a wide uh, key to their housing targets that they put down. And while they were targeting all these, uh, it seems uh, that they have missed their target. And even didn't they once they have a compulsory purchase order of vacant properties, and this was to tell people that if the house was vacant, they had to sell their home. And that was supposed to be in place by the end of the year. Uh, but the government now says they'll be implementing that by April of next year and then the new guidelines and building homes in rural areas and more money for the RTB that's the Residential Tenancies Board uh, well that's also been delayed it has emerged so the uh, talk of housing in this country all the targets the government have uh, have been missed so far and avian flu 
And a lot of people asking, and I can see a few texts in already, about turkeys for Christmas. Will they be able to purchase their turkey for Christmas? Well, uh, listening to poultry farmers, they say they're working hard. And one poultry farmer I saw on news last night, he feels uh, that if every poultry farmer goes and keeps the the stock inside, that everything will be okay for Christmas. They can't see a problem with this. But if you look at some of the papers this morning, especially the tabloids, they're saying Christmas dinner could be missing turkey this year because of the avian flu uh, but those poultry farmers they're a lot more optimistic and the agriculture minister Charlie McConaughey well he has said that all poultry and captive birds they must be inside from next Monday and that is so that they don't mix with wild birds or they're not eating grass that maybe wild birds uh, were also eating and, and could uh, make the bird contagious so uh, mixed views on that while some people are saying there could be uh, a hit this Christmas for the market when it comes to purchasing your turkey uh, those in the know feel that if everybody does keep the birds inside it should be okay and they can't see a problem with that it's the busiest time of the year of course uh, for poultry farmers anyhow your views are welcome 0818 103 103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 and there's a story doing the rounds this morning and this uh, something totally different it's about chocolate and if you're buying your and a lot of stores have the offers at the moment for the chocolate sweets the tubs of chocolate whatever you're into the roses or the celebrations well in the UK there's going to be a trial that leaves a bounty out of the celebrations tub and many say that is good news now maybe you're a bounty fan maybe you feel it's bad news and would you rather one of the others to be left out because they'll be keeping and adding more Mars, Snickers, Milky Way, Galaxy and Maltesers uh, while they remove the bounty but this is just a trial and it's going to hurt certain or hit certain uh, Tesco stores but it's going to be only in the UK uh, because there's a lot of reports this morning everywhere about this but in the last few minutes uh, the makers Mars Wrigley have announced uh, that the bounties will remain here in Ireland uh, in the mini bounty bars in the celebrations but uh, would you rather they didn't remain? Let us know are you a bounty fan or what would you remove from the box of chocolates or any of those chocolates you buy let us know what's your least favourite 0818 103 103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 you can email also across the morning cork today at c103.ie and, and still this morning people getting in touch regarding false and scam texts that are doing the rounds claiming to be from certain banks uh, Luke says he received a text this morning he's not with AIB never had an account with AIB but he says the text read that we have detected suspicious activity on your account and they're asking him to log into an address but the address when you look at it it's aib-motorcondition.com which obviously enough is not first of all any uh, link to AIB or an AIB an official AIB web address so uh, just to be aware of that if you are getting messages from AIB or they're claiming to be from AIB they're not and there are scam uh, messages and fraudsters out there because Bank of Ireland have also been in touch to let customers of the bank know or maybe those that aren't again just to uh, take extra care and note that uh, the fraudsters that are out there now are duping people into handing over bank details that they're doing this in a, a new and different way uh, because they are now first of all like what happened there with the AIB one they're contacting people by text but then what the Bank of Ireland scam is they're following up with a phone call to convince them to hand over their details they say you received a text and that they're following up on this text to get your bank details because there's a suspicious activity on your account but unfortunately because the text has come first some people think this is a Bank of Ireland and it's a 
leading to people getting caught out. Just in the last two weeks, the bank says that the number of combined fraudulent text messages and phone call cases, which was detected by Bank of Ireland's fraud prevention team, and that has increased by 40% when you compare it to just last month. That's a huge increase. Uh, so just be careful out there if you're uh, looking at your phone and you're seeing texts from various banks because sometimes they can come in on the same thread of an official text from the bank. Maybe you're logging into your online banking and they send you a text message with a code. Uh, the thread on your text phone, on your on, on the message system on your phone can be the same thread that the fraudsters will appear on. So just be very careful of that. That warning coming from Bank of Ireland but also this morning, a lot of people in contact with us who are not customers of AIB uh, but getting texts claiming to be from AIB uh, saying they had detected suspicious activity on uh, their account. So just be careful. Uh, Seemingly like this morning a lot of those texts are flying around the place uh, so pass on that word of warning to others as well uh, and especially those who are vulnerable that may be hit by that 0818103103 by phone Bernie takes your calls across the show or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 on the way we're going to hear about the cost of living protests that are returning this month and this uh, time where we're all paying more for home heating oil for petrol and for fuel and the oil companies are reporting record profits and this is just in the last three months. We'll discuss that next. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Another cost of living protest is to be held this month to highlight the struggles of so many in Ireland. Deputy Mick Barry, who is part of the cost of living campaign, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Mick. Hi, JP. Now, yesterday, Mick, I spoke with Katrina Toomey of Penny Dinners, who told me firsthand how she's aware of workers who were going to money lenders, and this is to pay for fuel and groceries. And these are people who were up early in the morning, 6, 7 a.m., going to work, and they still don't have enough due to the mortgage hikes in rates we have seen and the increasing costs of fuel and, indeed, groceries in the last number of months. And then in your own campaign, taxi drivers are seeking help from Penny Dinners due to the cost of diesel. So the reality you know, really hitting everybody, including workers. Yeah, I think what Katrina said yesterday is very true. Uh, I'm noticing that uh, in my work, uh, and I know that other public representatives uh, are as well. Um, you know, they used to talk about um, in the United States of America the phenomenon of the working poor, um, and maybe we could comfort ourselves to a large extent in this country when they did that by saying, well, at least if you have a job, it's a guarantee against poverty. Well, having a job is no longer a guarantee against poverty. Um, And what Katrina says about uh, people who are holding down jobs and earning wages, uh, having to knock on the door of penny dinners uh, would tally with the experience and the feedback that I'm getting on the ground myself. And while everybody is aware of people who are struggling, you're getting feedback and what Katrina told us yesterday from Penny Dinners. What about then the profits the oil companies are making? I mean, if you look at the latest profits, BP's profit more than doubled in the third quarter of the year. And if you look at all the major oil companies across the world, it means that BP, Shell, uh, Total Energies, ExxonMobil and Chevron, they've all, and this is just in the third quarter, so this will be just in the last three to four months in total made 58 billion 
dollars in profits. I mean, these record earnings come as growing numbers of households in Europe and North America are being squeezed by decades of high inflation. And, and it's all been driven by these spiralling energy costs, which is leading them to higher food prices. So why is nothing being done to tackle the, the big oil companies? We can sit here talking about protests uh, for, for the next two or three years, but until everybody sitting in Linster House, be that in opposition or in government, come together to deal with this, it will just continue. Well, credit to you there, uh, JP. Uh, those are really good uh, facts and figures that you've highlighted about the record profits uh, of the oil companies. Um, I think that... The ordinary motorist on the ground here in Cork City and County is uh, feeling that when they go to get uh, to fill up with petrol, fill up with diesel, and when people uh, are looking at the bills for for heating their homes. Uh, And you're right as well to say that while the government, uh, you know, pushed a fair few bob towards people in the budget, that instead of that money going into people's pockets... Well, if it goes into people's pockets, it doesn't stay there very long because it's going to pay the companies that are, are making the record profits. And in reality, it's tra- transferring wealth uh, to the big companies that are making the huge profits. You raise an interesting point as to uh, how effective uh, protest can be. Now, we, we saw protest take place in France a number of weeks ago where actually the people who work for uh, Total Energy and who work for ExxonMobil in France uh, put in a claim for a 10% wage increase. Um, As they say, 7% to cover the cost of the prices and 3% uh, to get their share of the profits. Um, And that was a very powerful uh, strike movement uh, in France which put the government and the companies... Uh, under real pressure, and they were forced to make concessions. Unfortunately, in this country, the leadership of the trade unions haven't done what I and many others would like to see them do, and to follow the example of Mick Lynch and the the railway workers uh, in Britain, who said, we want wage increases which match inflation. At the very least, we're not going to take pay cuts for our uh, members and I would have liked to have seen the leaders of the unions take a stance like that here they clearly haven't done and in the absence of that I think the the best option uh, facing ordinary people is street protest and coming out on the streets in numbers. We did that in September here in Cork on the 17th and in Dublin on the 24th and I have no doubt that those protests were a factor in forcing the government to go further in the budget than they had intended But, of course, they haven't gone far enough. They haven't tackled the profiteering. And so we must um, protest again now on the 12th. And while many people will welcome protests to highlight what is happening, the last major protest like this we saw, which did change uh, the view and indeed change the the way the the water charges were going, it reversed all of that. Those decisions didn't go ahead. But the problem here, I suppose, is while the government can do as much as they can, it's it's outside factors uh, because Ireland really hasn't dealt with energy planning into the future. I mean, when you look at the turf ban, that's 
put in place now there was no alternatives put in place so now we're leading to everybody here in Ireland looking and dealing with energy and using energy that's more or less important we, we haven't looked at how we can come up with an alternative when we change things so uh, while all the protests will go ahead what more outside of giving money back can be done I mean windfall taxes are being mentioned in other countries but there's no talks of that here to hit the big profits of the energy companies well there are things that um, an Irish government uh, can do and should do Um, for example we have Electric Ireland um, who made profits of nearly 700 million euro last year Um, they may have changed the name but Electric Ireland uh, is the supply wing of the ESB. And the last time I looked, uh, the ESB was in state hands. 95% of the shares are in the hands of uh, the state. And yet the government stood idly by and allowed Electric Ireland to raise their electricity prices and their gas prices by massive amounts. Now, it is true that the government, under pressure, conceded the three €200, Euro, which aren't quite 200 euro energy credits uh, in the budget. But in reality, that money is just going back uh, to Electric Ireland who uh, and to the privately owned uh, energy suppliers who, as you point out at the start of the show, are making uh, record profits. Of course, there are things that the state can do uh, in terms of energy generation. And one thing that needs to be done from a cost of living point of view, but also from an environmental and climate uh, point of view, is massive investment uh, in green energy, particularly the the wind energy and the potential there to be tapped on the West uh, Coast. There's been a massive over-reliance on private investment to do that. The private investors haven't delivered. They tend to go more for the the, the quick fix, uh, quick book uh, uh, solutions. Um, That is something that needs to be done now. A serious plan for massive public investments in uh, green energy, particularly wind, along the West Coast. So, when you mention Electric Ireland there, there's one thing that, uh, I'm thinking out loud, the free market, you could call it, would that not put Electric Ireland at a disadvantage then? You could see it two ways, that if they are paying more for electricity and importing electricity into this country for, for not producing enough, uh, that they would be at a disadvantage compared to, let's say, SSE Electricity, who would be able to increase their prices, while Electric Ireland would not be, uh, just because they are uh, more or less semi-state. You could turn that argument on its head, JP. If, well, if you could, you could, you could say you could say then that if they didn't increase, the others may not increase. But 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 just on the factor that they are saying they are paying more for electricity, uh, would it put them at a disadvantage? Well, I I, I suppose uh, for a moment it would. Mm. But what would then kick in is that uh, the other choices would would be faced with a, the other companies would be faced with a choice of either freezing their prices or having all their customers desert them and go to Electric Ireland and the ESB, right? Now, if all the other customers were to desert them and go to Electric Ireland and the ESB, workers would would lose their jobs, but they should be offered jobs with the ESB. And what you would have then is you would have uh, state ownership and control of energy supply uh, in the the country, like we had uh, back in the day, a nationalized energy sector, and that would be a powerful thing. Now, you do raise an important point there, which is that if you freeze the prices, that's going to cost that company, in other words, the state, more money, all right? And 
there's two ways in which you could deal with that. First of all, uh, we got the reports yesterday that the state is headed for a record high uh, level of tax receipts by the end of the year. Okay, uh, tax receipts are already up 15 billion year on year on last year. All right, so, so uh, corporation tax has been highlighted there, but it's also income tax and that. So there is um, a, a source for um, covering those costs. The other source uh, is, uh, it, you know, with, there isn't even a, a proper debate in this country on the question of wealth taxes. Uh, and yet you've got a massive amount of, of wealth held in relatively few hands. There's 93,000 families in this country uh, who between them have an average wealth of uh, nearly f- uh, €4 million, Euro, right? So the idea of a millionaire's tax to help fund the freezing of electricity and gas prices. I think that is something that could be done and should be done. As a socialist, I would support that. Okay, very finally, so the next protest, uh, where and when is it happening? Okay, um, well, there's protests taking place nationwide Mm. on Saturday the 12th of November, but here in Cork, we're asking people to assemble at the Grand Parade uh, at 2 o'clock. We'll be announcing details of uh, the route and some other details uh, uh, next week. So we'd ask people... To put that date in their diary, what is it now? Nine days away, uh, and to uh, to keep an hour, an hour and a half aside on Saturday the twelfth, and to join us and help, you know, send out the message that the profiteering we see all around us needs to stop, and keep the pressure on this government as we head into the winter. No one should be faced with the choice of heating or eating this winter. Uh, let's keep the pressure on. Okay, Mick, uh, we'll uh, see what happens over the next number of weeks and I'm sure we'll hear more about that protest up to the 12th for the moment. Uh, Thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thanks, JP. Uh, that is uh, Deputy Mick Barry, uh, and who is part of the Cost of Living campaign. Your views are welcome when you see the huge profits to those oil companies are making. 0818 103 103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 Changes to the Fair Deal scheme. We'll discuss that next. JP and for Patricia all this week for the midterm. Bernie taking your calls and comments on 0818 103 103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And on the way, we are going to be speaking to a lady who is was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer three years ago. And we're going to hear how Breakthrough Cancer, why they are funding and urgently funding the improvement of early detection for Ireland's most lethal cancers. One of those is pancreatic cancer. And we'll speak to her very shortly on the programme. Also before midday, our guard file here on C103. But a lot of calls and comments uh, coming in on the what we spoke to McBarry on, uh, Deputy McBarry. Barry, part of the Cost of Living campaign, who are organising protests right across the country the next due for Cork on Saturday the 12th of November. And people are reacting to that. First of all, Jonathan Carrigaline, he says, we are a great country to talk rubbish on radio stations, but do nothing. This country should stop dead in protest to big energy companies making huge profits. After all, it is good old Ireland. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, feels John in Carrig Line and Michelle totally shocked when she heard how much profits those oil companies are making and yes uh, you did hear it right it is 58 billion dollars in profits and this was just for the third quarter alone and it is comprising of BP Shell uh, Total Energies, uh, ExxonMobil and Chevron all those together when you put them and group them up together they 
made in total $58 billion in profits. And the third quarter would just be the last three or four months. So not even for over a year, this is just three or four months. It's a huge amount of money. And it actually made the business news, that's where I spotted it, uh, the business news on CNN and some of the American channels were picking up on this, but it was a global uh, business news and they were looking and featuring at different areas of the world. And uh, while the companies are making those huge profits and the earnings are growing, you then have their earnings growing while the earnings of the householders across the world are decreasing and people are being squeezed by the high inflation. But all this high inflation is driven by the spiraling energy costs, which is then leading to high food bills. And while all that's going on, we see the companies making billions and billions of profits. Uh, you know, they, they will make more uh, when the final quarter of this year comes. They, they will call it the fourth quarter. Uh, they're bound to because prices and bills are going up when it comes to energy. Uh, anyhow, more on that. And this email came in to us from Emily. And this is regarding the energy credit uh, that we're all receiving of our electricity bill. Uh, but Emily received her electric bill yesterday, but the 200 euro credit was not taken off her bill. Now, her bill was issued at the end of October. So she went checking the date of the issue of her bill because she was wondering why the 200 euro wasn't taken off. Uh, so she says that is probably why I now have not got, wait, got my credit and I'll have to wait until the end of December to avail of the 200 hundred euro credit because that is just the way my cycle of the billing goes but she says does my electricity company then are they gaining credit uh, on the interests with my credit sitting uh, with the energy company because I won't be receiving my credit until the end of December I know from the last time the credit only kicks in from the time of the issue of the bill but I feel it's unfair and have others come across this Uh, it's also interesting Emily says that at the same time they issue these two euros credit we see fuel prices for home heating oil, petrol and diesel all increasing. And like a man said on your show at the start of the week, when you see the taxes and levies on your electricity bill, would they be better off just reducing those than issuing these credits? Uh, says Emily to Cork Today at C103.ie. And you're right, Emily, the last time it came up about the credits, they go on when the bill was issued. So if your uh, bill was issued towards the end of October, for example, in the last week of October and you won't get the credit because that only kicks in from the first it seems uh, so you're right there that's probably why you didn't get it but yeah you, you ask a good question whereby you haven't got the credit now for that bill and the electricity companies will deem it's for uh, September and October what happens to the credit? Well, it will sit there, but are they getting interest? I don't know. That is an interesting question. And also, I think a lot of people would agree when you look at the bill, when you are analysing your electricity, gas or any bill, you'll see the taxes and levies on all our bills and uh, what they add on to the electricity because if you use minimum electricity and if you're being very good in switching off everything, you still have the standard charge and you still will have to pay the VAT, so it will still be a high bill regardless of how much all we try to save. Uh, thank you for your email. You can email Email Cork today at c103.ie and more emails in. And this is following up on an email from Jury, which we read out yesterday. Jury's dog, which he walked across the new boardwalk in Mallow. Uh, he feels the surface of the boardwalk, the nail of the front paw of his young Jack Russell was 
pulled off and it led to his dog being injured and the dog bleeding and he feels that people now that are walking over uh, the new boardwalk in Mallow they should carry their little dogs obviously older dogs uh, and not everybody will be able to carry their dogs but he feels this is a real problem well after we read that out yesterday, Monica uh, was in contact with us. She has a two-year-old a dog and she feels, yeah, agrees with Jerry and she has heard other people say this. She feels the sheeting on this fabulous new boardwalk is the problem here because when people are walking over with their dogs, uh, they need to know that this new sheeting could possibly be the cause for injuries uh, to the animals' paws or indeed nails as they walk across the boardwalk. Uh, but Monica says it's not an item isolated incident as one of my friends had the same situation and they could not believe that it could have happened when they were walking over the bridge but it must have been uh, so uh, have people noticed that and if so uh, just a word of warning to those if you were walking over at the footbridge and if you have a small dog uh, maybe pick them up for fear of injury because of whatever surface is on the, the boardwalk in Mallow it is causing injuries to dogs and it may not be possible to pick up a big dog and not everybody then can lift the dog either so uh, just a word of warning from listeners getting in contact with us this morning on that one and we have contacted Cork County Council on that we wait for them uh, to come back with us on if they've received reports on what can be done regarding the surface of what many are calling the new sheeting on the boardwalk in Mallow. And then we spoke about scams earlier on the show and a word of warning, those scams going around from AIB and Bank of Ireland claiming to be both banks. Of course, they are not the banks. Uh, they're asking you to click on a link uh, from AIB. Uh, they tell on the text to tell you that there is suspicious activity on your account and all the texts and calls we got this morning are from people who don't bank with AIB. And then Bank of Ireland have issued a warning because the scam texts on the go from uh, somebody uh, claiming to be Bank of Ireland when you ignore the text then you receive a phone call and the phone call will say we sent you a text earlier and we're following up on this text you need to do XYZ and they look for your bank details so just be aware of those scams that are going around this morning which we highlighted earlier but uh, this led to Noel uh, getting in contact with us who says hey JP I got scam emails from Tesco and also DHL in the past while so just a word of warning from people for that says no and Irene also when it comes to courier companies I received uh, an email from a courier company which used the logo of this courier company but then when I was reading the email it didn't make much sense and there were spelling mistakes they were asking me to click on a link I'm sure if I did I'd regret it but I did not on checking the email uh, the email address was a Yahoo email so then I knew it wasn't the courier company so just for people to be aware if they're ordering items online maybe for the Christmas shopping that the scams are out as well by email uh, thank you Irene by text and WhatsApp 0862 103 103 or call Bernie on 0818 103 103 and this this is from a person, no name on this, but not too sure how people feel. Uh, this person on WhatsApp says, four weeks ago, uh, they applied for a washing machine from the social welfare. Now, they got a letter this morning asking them to get a technician in to say that that machine is not working. Is it going to be all evidence and paperwork? We need to get what we are entitled to. It's disgraceful, says that person on WhatsApp. Have you been in that situation before where you've had no choice but to go along uh, to social welfare and apply for a washing machine but if you have done that uh, have you provided evidence and paperwork and if you have how long did it take after that for you to receive your washing machine and is that something that the department have to do they have to get evidence because 
otherwise would everybody be claiming they want a new washing machine and is that something the department would always have to do anyhow but if you were in that situation how long did it take you uh, following giving evidence that the washing machine is no longer working uh, we can let that listener know uh, text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 and Premier League Live it is back on c103.ie with Trevor Welsh this Saturday from 2pm powered by Talk Sport we'll bring you live coverage of Manchester City taking on Fulham at 3 o'clock and Everton taking on Leicester City at 5.30. The Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. C103 Jobs. Full-time electrical service engineer is wanted in the Mallow area. You can email your CV to Dennis at WalshEngineering.com. A tyre fitter and general operative is wanted for tyres and light servicing in Dunmanway. Call Martin on 087-212-5932. And ground workers are wanted for Middleton, Cove, Cork and the Carrigaline areas. You can call 087-178-5595 or email creedonplantire at gmail.com. You'll find these details and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Breakthrough Cancer Research is celebrating 10 years of research and recently announced a 2 million euro injection in research funding to find urgent new treatments and improve early detection for Ireland's seven most lethal cancers. One of those cancers is pancreatic cancer and Pamela DC joins me on her cancer story. Good morning to you, Pamela. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. You were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer three years ago. Uh, first of all, how are you doing at the moment? I'm doing fine. Her every day probably is a challenge, but um, you just have to take each day as it is and make the most of it, I think. And when you were told those words that you have cancer and that it was pancreatic cancer, I mean, I know you're highly involved in a lot of community activities in where you're from around Union Hall. You're involved in the RNLI. What was it like that? Because, you know, you're, you're an active person. You're out and about a lot. It's a shock. I suppose if anybody hears the word cancer in their life and it's referring to you, it is a major shock. And hearing the word pancreatic coming before it, I said straight away, that's it, game over. And I didn't sleep for the night. I think 13 men told me at a quarter to 10 and never slept and had a load of questions the following morning. And I was asked, was I Googling all night? And I said, no, and nor will I Google. But unfortunately, I've been down this road, so I know the questions to ask. And were you able to go back then to oncology and ask those questions or how did that work? Because I think it's after you leave the hospital, people realise what questions they should have asked first of all and they need to ask. Yes, well, I ended up in hospital for a week and my mum, I suppose, had been diagnosed with lung cancer a few years previously. So I fortunately knew what I needed to ask at the start. And, you know, there's a possibility in your head that you're saying maybe the tumour is benign and it's not cancer but I when he said to me the name of the doctor who was going to speak to me the following morning I knew he was the oncologist in the hospital so I said okay we have to 
get ready and ask the questions. And so for the week that I was in there, I had my port fitted in for my chemotherapy. I had a stent put in and, you know, numerous blood tests and all the other things you have to go through. Sometimes nearly the diagnosis is worse than actually hearing what's wrong with you. And I had everything done and I went home. And because I had uh, high levels of bilirubin in my blood and uh, severe paritis, which is the itching, which is associated with pancreatic cancer, that I had to wait till January to start my chemotherapy that year. And how long then did you remain on chemo? I started my chemotherapy on the 16th of January and at the end of my six sessions, my tumour hadn't shrank. And for me to have Whipple surgery, my tumour had to have shrank by at least three centimetres to make me eligible for that surgery. So then they decided that we'd have a, you know, radiotherapy and chemotherapy just to try and throw everything at us the next couple of weeks. So I started that on the 11th of April and I finished both slots of them on the 22nd of May. And I knew myself that I needed to be in hospital at that stage. But my main aim the whole way through my treatment was not to end up inside in the hospital. But I ended up going in two weeks later and spending the next six weeks inside. And it's a big toll for you and your body to go through. I mean, chemotherapy is tough, but both together, chemo and radiotherapy. Yes. Um, the first day I came home, I suppose, from my chemo, and I said, you know, it's not as bad as people say. I had my dinner, everything was grand. And by the third session, I fell in the front door at home. My legs used to keep going from under me then for the next couple of treatments. I ended up having to use a walking stick for the next two years. I probably, like the toll on my body, when I looked in the mirror, I didn't look like a cancer patient. But then after going through all that, luckily I was eligible for the surgery. So in August the 15th of that year, I ended up having 11 and a half hour surgery where they removed a piece of my pancreas, my gallbladder, my intestine, piece of my tummy, um, the lymph nodes around it, bile duct. So all of them were gone. And after that then, for the next year and a bit, I suppose, I'd go a step forward, end up coming two or three steps back. That's just the way. And everyone's own story, I suppose, is individual to themselves. Some people will talk about it. More people don't. You know, it's just the whole journey is personal, I suppose. Yeah, and when you looked at yourself in the mirror, as you mentioned there, and you have a walking stick uh, for someone who was so active, I mean, uh, that all takes a toll as well on your mental health. It does, but I suppose I'd always have been the person who saw, you know, things positively. I remember after my surgery, I was saying, this is great, everything is going to improve so much. And we actually had a call the week after I came home. I got out of the bed, went down to the station, but I needed help from people to help me go up the stairs because I couldn't do it. And that was the last time I went to the station for a long time because I just wasn't physically able for steps or, you know, getting out and doing things. My mind, I said, was always 100% able for everything. But my body was probably at 20 or 30%. It would take me an hour to get out of bed in the morning just to throw on a pair of leggings and a T-shirt. I'd have to hop into bed after 
think I lost seven and a half stone in a quick space of time. Yeah, it's the fatigue and then losing the weight is the, is the pressure on your body but the fatigue out of those type of treatments is, is, is something that's very hard to describe. It's, it's a kind of a, a, a different kind of a tiredness than uh, what you would normally experience and would you say about being positive in your mind and while when you, when you, when you say it out loud it sounds stupid but that does bring you on the journey in, in a better light just being more positive than kind of going into yourself and being negative and thinking the worst. Yes, I think one of the things I never did was I never Googled anything. Well, that's true, yeah. I never do. That, yeah. that was my own personal choice. Yeah. And I remember getting literature about my surgery in the hospital. And I never, I told them I never read it for about a year and a half later. Because I said what I didn't know probably, you know, wouldn't affect me. Um, but definitely, you know, I was there was days that I couldn't even go down the stairs. I was so weak. And if I was going down, I used to pack a bag because there was no way I was walking back up that stairs. And there was one person beside me and one behind me going up with the steps, you know, in the evening. But, you know, just to think of stuff, and I booked a holiday. I did these things that I did the day before my surgery. Like, I didn't know whether I'd be here or not, but I, they were positive things for me to do and steps and aims for me to get towards. And while it's a very personal journey, as you mentioned, do you find talking about this helps you? It certainly helps others, but does it help you? Well, for me, I always, I remember one of the doctors in one of the hospitals one day saying to me, does your family realise how ill you are? Because I'd say you're good at covering things up. And I said, I tell them everything. They know exactly what's happening. At the time, probably when I was going through the initial chemo, I wouldn't have spoken a lot about it. But then, as you go along the journey, I suppose, you know, you'd start talking to people and you'd meet. There was nobody spoke when I was having my chemo. But when I'd go up on the Friday to get my port removed, because I used to have chemotherapy for 72 hours at a time, that's when I got to meet and talk to people. And definitely talking to one another, you know, how did you find this week or did you have any issues? But some people don't want to do that. But I think definitely it does help. And while the journey for this started three years ago for yourself, you were in hospital, so in and out during COVID times, yeah? It was before COVID. Just before I, COVID. Yeah, were you in I, there during the, the height of the pandemic? Or? I was there probably, I have kidney, kidney stones, which are complementary for my radiotherapy. And the January of 21, I think, when things were at the worst. Now, I cancelled my scans in the hospital in... April 2020, because I didn't want to go near it. And then I was there in the middle of the height of it, going in for a surgery for the kidney stones. Um, but you know what? Everybody in the hospital, the staff, they all have roles to pay, you know, down to catering, the porters, cleaning. They're all part of their journey. And I spent quite a few weeks in and out of hospital um, in 2019 and 20. And I was in the mercy the CUH and the bonds and you know the level of care and everything is just fantastic in all the hospitals in Cork. Yeah so you, you weren't you were you trusted them that you weren't going to pick up any uh, disease or, or COVID in there because you would have been at a stage where your immune system was weak and that's the last thing you would have needed. Yes but you know all the procedures I suppose and precautions are taken and because your class is immunocompromised you are looked after say on another level and then because of COVID sure everybody was yeah. Very well taken care of. And your current treatment plan now, Pamela, 
obviously you'll be going back for checks every three months, six months. Uh, would that continue for for a number of years? Yes, um, for five years I have checkups every six months. So it's bloods and scans and in to see the oncologist. Because of my kidney stone issue, I'm kind of in and out of the hospital anyway mm. with the last two years. Um, so, you know, you kind of build up, I suppose, a rapport with people and they know the way you are. And I, you know, in and out for probably kidney related issues at the moment. But thankfully, it's nothing. I had my scans last month for my six month scans. And thankfully, they're all clear. Are you nervous when you go in for those scans? Yes, there is a phase, I suppose, used, or a phase, sorry, by cancer patients caused anxiety. And definitely for the week before those scans, everything runs through your head of, you know, what happens if it's back? What happens if you have metastases? Does all the different things. But I think you kind of put them to the back of your head again for the next five and a half months. And then they kind of start running around and again, and it's mm. time for your checkup. And the key thing with cancer is detecting it in time and research into uh, cancers, in particular pancreatic cancer, because that's one of the cancers, as you're well aware, uh, has the lowest survival rates. But break, breakthrough cancer, they're doing such fantastic work and have done for the last 10 years, as they celebrate 10 years operating here in Cork. Uh, the, the numbers of cancers now they're looking at, uh, uh, that is one of them, and there are six others as well. Uh, so while they're researching this to make everybody's life better, uh, does this change your outlook? Look on life then. Um, sorry, no, that's the lifeboat pager or test coming through on my phone. Oh. Um, it is, you know, without the likes of Breakthrough Cancer Research, they're an Irish medical charity. They're based in Cork. Um, you know, without their funding into research and trials and the different things, you know, pancreatic cancer is listed by them as one of the seven deadliest. And it's just probably, you know, to help to make people aware of, you know, the symptoms to look out for. But if I had got my diagnosis 10 years ago, I possibly would not be here today because it's without research and, you know, things progressing all the time. They are the things that help the likes of me with awful cancers that are out there, you know, survive and have a better outlook probably and quality of life very true and do you need to go there Pamela when you say the lifeboat has the lifeboat been called out because you are a no. volunteer with the lifeboat are you okay no sorry it's a system test on my, it's come through on my phone as you can okay. see it. <laughs> okay well very finally as you mentioned there uh, the, the early diagnosis and the research carried out by Breakthrough Cancer you'll probably be aware of the story this week where you know people are worried of a surge in cancer diagnoses and this will be more or less next year due to the uh, service screenings being closed across COVID so that just shows the importance of going getting yourself checked uh, if you have any email to make sure uh, that you highlight that to a GP so they can refer you on to a consultant but also highlights the research that needs to be carried out into the various cancers. Yes, I think John Paul, you know, we all live with our bodies for however long of our life we're living it. If you feel a twinge or an ache or something that you haven't had two or three weeks ago, you know, just start to think about it, I suppose, and like there's different symptoms. I didn't have a lot of the symptoms for pancreatic cancer the month before my diagnosis it was the tiredness was the issue for me. I was going to work I was coming home 
but before I could do the jobs that needed to be done at home, I had to go to bed and go to sleep for an hour because I would not have been able to function in the evening. And that was my initial thing, I suppose, bar the jaundice developing. If the jaundice hadn't come, I'd have worked away and said, I'm grand, it's just tiredness, it's my age. But, you know, it's just, we know our bodies and you need someone to listen to, I think, basically at the end of the day. Yeah, true. And it's amazing when you say tiredness. Anybody we speak to would always say that the tiredness was one thing uh, that got to them and that led then to a diagnosis later on. Uh, it could be weeks or, or, or months, but it always starts off with the tiredness. Uh, Pamela, I think your story on how important, first of all, it is to research various cancers that Breakthrough are going through at the moment and investing in, but also your own story will highlight why we do need to look after ourselves and maybe help others who are tuning in this morning. We wish you the very best of luck with all you do, uh, not only with Breakthrough, but also uh, with Union Hall and the RNLI and the lifeboat there in Union Hall. And uh, best of luck to you for the future and, and good health. No bother. Thanks a million, John Paul. Thanks, Pamela. Take care. Pamela DC there joining us from Union Hall on her cancer story. And as you will have heard, and when she got the diagnosis first, pancreatic cancer, it's the one of those cancers that has the lowest survival rates. But thanks uh, to the marvellous research undertaken here in Cork with a breakthrough cancer and indeed across Ireland, uh, they are now looking at new treatments that can prolong life and uh, make people come over and get over uh, the cancer. Uh, that unfortunately gets into their bodies. But, uh, when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well done to Pamela for sharing her story and also to everybody at Breakthrough Cancer Research. And if you want more details on how they are funding cancer treatments or how to fund them, you can go to the website BreakthroughCancerResearch.ie. And of course, uh, Breakthrough Cancer, they have uh, strong ties as Pamela is in Union Hall in West Cork. Uh, there is strong ties with West Cork as uh, the funds, uh, the Cork Cancer Research Centre 
uh, the fund that funds a lot of the, the work Breakthrough Cancer do. Uh, that was set up by the late Professor Jerry O'Sullivan, who was from Cora. Uh, so a big West Cork connection there uh, within those two organisations. 0818-103-103. Our lines are open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. I will be going to check in on the latest crimes across the Cork area next on our Garda Fund. Theme 103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862-103-103. And time for this week's Garda File. I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly from Fermoy Garda Station. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, John Paul. And we're starting this week with break-ins at homes. The first one here, John, is in Mitchellstown. In Mitchellstown, yeah. It it appears to be a house that was vacant for quite a, a period of time, uh, for, for a couple of years, in fact. Um, broken into there between the 25th of October and 27th of October. Now, um, as I say, none, there wasn't really anything to be taken from the house, but as I say, it was forcibly entered. Um, so... As I say, any houses like that that are vacant, you know, the property owner should be inspecting them from time to time, you know, just to make sure that they're okay and that there aren't any valuables uh, left in the house. And um, then uh, from Mitchellstown, John, also a break-in, and this was a house in Watergrass Hill? There was a house in Watergrass Hill last Friday, and that's where the homeowner came back to find the front door had been forced. The back door was open and uh, a small quantity of cash had been stolen from the house. But again, that was uh, 5.30pm he discovered it. You know, so we are getting into the dark evenings now, you know, so for for people to be aware of it, um, consider making sure lights on, alarms on, you know, if you don't have an alarm, consider getting an alarm, you know, just make sure at least that you have a small floor or wall, say, fitted for, for valuables, you know. Um, as I say, the amount of crime happening is, is low, but at the same time, there are break-ins uh, occurring, and probably as we come up the winter, it's always a time when more will occur. Yeah, and you wouldn't expect um, someone to break in, I suppose, in the late evening, so you might become a bit complacent, and as you said, as the days are, and the yeah. evenings are getting darker, just to be aware of that. Correct, to be aware of that, yeah. yeah. Um, and then more, yeah. John, with a shed, and this is in Ballyhooley. Another incident there where a lock shed was broken into, and the lock was damaged. Um, there was a twin-axle galvanised trailer stolen there, a 8 by 4 um, stolen from the shed that was between the 29th and the 30th. So that was the Saturday, Sunday uh, of, of, the, of the week on, you know, so for people just to bear that in mind. Um, we also saw another incident, a farm-related incident, and that was on the, on Sunday, on Sunday evening last, where um, there was activity detected there at a farmyard and uh, the, res- the residents came out and uh, lights went on. A car drove off fast, but they found a number of drums filled with diesel that had been ready to be taken from the yard that had been drained from their tank, you know. So I, I'd, appeal to, I'd appeal to farmers with diesel tanks or anything like that just to be aware and to make sure that the tanks are well sighted, um, you know, that this is something that we're beginning to see rare up its head again at the moment, you know. Yeah, and then something that we had in our news earlier this week, John, this is with regards to money mules and young people yet again being targeted. Yeah, and I suppose, John Paul, in truth, we probably don't know the full amount of this happening. Over the last uh, number of years, Angara Shikana has detected around 830 money mules have been identified in Ireland, you know. But 
there's probably more of it, you know, that we may not know. Some of it is innocuous, uh, kind of maybe to the young person. Uh, somebody comes up to them, you know, in college and, and says, look, you know, I'm having an awful, gets friendly with them maybe over a period of time. Uh, you, you know, it could be from uh, a country outside the EU or whatever and says, yeah, if I have an awful problem uh, getting a bank account at the moment. I'm running out of money. My relatives need to send me on money. Would you mind uh, if I put money through your account? You know, so something is innocuous as that. So I just would like to remind people that a money mule, you know, is a person who allows their account to be used for the transfer of other stolen or illegal money. You know, they may or not be aware of the crime. However, they are complicit if they recklessly allow their account to be used to launder the proceeds of criminality. And like I said, they don't know in, in the case of that uh, thing I just said there, that they have no idea where that money is actually coming from. You know, we find that those aged 18 to 24, sometimes those over 55 are the most commonly targeted age groups, you know, to act as money mules. So, Oftentimes as well, vulnerable people, you know, that are new to the country, students, people who are unemployed or under financial pressure are also likely to be targeted. Um, maybe people who purchase illegal drugs, you know, they may be offered an opportunity to pay off their drug debt by becoming a money mule. Ignorance is no excuse, and it's not a defence either, you know. And like the penalties could include a prison sentence running up to 14 years, criminal conviction with a lifetime criminal record, you know, and obviously not being permitted to open another bank account. And in the case of students, not being allowed, you, you know, who knows where their college degree or master's is going to bring them in life, yeah. you know. And some of the countries they go to require a police certificate of character. And, uh, I mean, uh, I'm afraid if you have a conviction from you, money muling, you know, you're not going to get a police certificate of character, you know. And with that young people, and with that's parents as well. Speak to uh, speak to if they have uh, college-going students as well. You know, speak to them, you know, and alert them to heed the warning signs. You know, for instance, an approach for your social media platform or an in-person approach such as what I described earlier with an offer to make easy money. The individual who makes the approach only, maybe in some cases only uses the social media handle. You may not never know them. They never provide information to identify themselves. You know, and sometimes the person approached is then requested to provide all details relating to their account, including online security access codes and all. And sometimes this manifests as kind of maybe advertisements for jobs on online platforms seemingly to offer, you know, easy money, you know, for, for, for only a couple of hours' work. I'm afraid there are no opportunities for making easy money. You know, it's not that easy, you know. Yeah. So just for people to bear that, Bear that in mind and be very, very careful. No such thing as a free dinner, as the phrase goes, because if younger people are targeted, as you mentioned there, if they do need to travel for college, but many will just want to travel for work later in life. Uh, If they have a conviction because they got caught up with money mules and they did so innocently, it it has a huge knock on for them if they're in their 30s or 40s and they want to travel to New York, for example, for a job or Sydney or Canada or wherever. Absolutely. You know, and also just, uh, you know, in essence, they're assisting ruthless criminals involved in human trafficking, mm. people smuggling terrorism and even more. You know, it's not a victimless crime, you know. So we're just, uh, as I said, uh, you know, and as the detective superintendent up there in, in the in, uh, in GNECB said lately, you know, that it's not the hardened criminals facing the CCTV at the ATM withdrawing the money. It isn't their phone number or bank account uh, details that have been used. It's 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 the it's the money mule, you know. Yeah. So just just to bear that in mind, you know. True. Finally, there, John Paul. If I could just 
mention the fact that driving conditions in some parts of the country, you know, are quite difficult, quite challenging at the moment. You know, we're after maybe a week of persistent rain. Damage may have been done to some of the minor roads. You know, you you could have pothole, potholes. Those potholes are being masked by maybe water in some instances or, or a lot of leaves gathered. You know, considerable damage can be done to a car. But, you know, for people, bear in mind where they're going, allow plenty of time and take the time. And, you know, if there is... Uh, watch the forecast if there's persistent rain given make sure that they travel maybe national routes to get to their to their journey it might be take half an hour longer it might take 10, 10 miles longer but at least you know they know the roads that they are travelling Yeah and with more rainfall expected anyhow over the next while just be careful on the minor and back routes uh, for the moment John uh, thanks for joining us this morning Thank you, John Paul. Take care. Uh, that is Sergeant John Kelly there, joining us from Fermoy Garda Station with this week's Garda Fall. It's Cork today until 1JP in for Patricia for the midterm. Bernie, taking your calls and comments 0818 103 103. Lines open, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And from 1230, Jane Pickett of the Idenwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us. If you have a question for Jane regarding one of your pets, get those into us now as well on those numbers or you can email corktoday at c103.ie and we were speaking earlier regarding energy and energy prices and the cost of living and how much the oil companies are making the record profits they have made just in three months I'll get to those emails and calls but I want to know what people make of this Uh, Mary has been in touch on text and she's saying hello John Paul I read yesterday with interest that Minister Heather Humphreys is granting to 2,000 euros to men sheds and yes and we've we've seen that here and it was on our news uh, that the money has been in funding allocated to men sheds now Mary says I'm delighted for them as they all do great work they, they're helping lonely uh, they're still useful and there's a lot of men out there of an older age who go along to socialise and discuss issues and problems with one another but active retirement groups perform the same voluntary service too mostly older women though we have a few uh, gentlemen included in our group as well but I would like to know and hope that Minister Humphreys will allocate the same €2,000 to active retirement groups. If not, it's discriminatory and very unfair, unfair treatment. Uh, I would like to know how other listeners feel about this, uh, says Mary to 0862 103 103. Uh, And would you agree with Mary? I'm not too sure if there was any funding announced for active retirement groups, but there was announcements yesterday made regarding men's sheds and they are uh, most organisations receiving uh, €2,000 each and that will help them to, well, if they need something for the shed, they can go along and, and repair uh, wherever their basis is or if they need to invest money uh, to maybe build furniture, which some of them do for local areas or whatever they wish to use the money for, it has been allocated to the local men's sheds group. So uh, while Mary has nothing against the men's sheds and they do great work and not only work, but they're also uh, good for older men who need to socialise and discuss issues. She's all for them, but active retirement groups, they do something similar and they've been left out. Your view is welcome. 86 or call us 0818 103 103. And then on the energy situation, 
and earlier we had an email in from Emily and Emily basically was saying that she got her bill for her electricity in the last week of well she got it in the first week of November only in the last few days but the bill was issued uh, last week on the 27th or 26th of October when she looked at the bill and because it was issued last week she did not receive the 200 euro credit the energy credit that we're all getting and now she feels she won't receive that until December and she's making the point that while she now won't gain from that until late December the energy company will they have the money the 200 euros sitting there and will that be getting interest for them Uh, she won't be receiving it and she totally understands that because her bill was issued in October it it won't be uh, taken into account and we did did cover that uh, when the first of those credits came out last April Uh, so she's no issue with that but it's what happens to the money uh, that is lying there within the energy companies well on this uh, text are saying I totally agree with Emily even when they receive the credits they still take out my direct debit monthly and the money in the account you are getting no break and it's just a loan to them I have car repairs at the moment and car insurance coming up I could do with a break the money this person feels should have been paid into a person's account and not into the energy provider's account says that person on text while Martin is in for my uh, he again is asking why are we all blaming uh, the high cost of energy on the war in Ukraine it has nothing to do with the price hikes why would it it's the Irish government Martin feels are not doing their job they don't even try to stop these price hikes it's just another way for the Irish government to get more money out of us, says Martin Informoy on text to 86 and then staying with that Michael is in Bantry and because of the cost of living and everything going up with the bills Michael is asking regarding the living alone allowance is that to be paid with the extra fuel allowance on the 14th of November asks Michael in Bantry yes Michael it will uh, those of you getting the living alone allowance that you will get a once off payment of 200 euros and that's on the week starting the 14th of November so whenever you get your allowances they'll be paid on that week starting the 14th and the same applies then for the fuel allowance and the once off payment of 400 euros will be paid on the week starting the 14th of November so when they say the week starting I presume whatever day you get your payments you receive the payment on that day and when we mentioned scams earlier on and the scams out from the banks and we even touched on it there with our John Kelly Sergeant John Kelly on our Garda file uh, Dan says just another text to add to your list of scams I received this yesterday by text and this company uh, which claimed to be on post to text to Dan and they say that your parcel is waiting for delivery please confirm the settlement of 1 euro 99 cent on the following and they give you a link to click on but the link uh, quite obviously is not on post it's on post that parcel that service dot com uh, and that isn't one of the services or one of the official addresses on post used so just be careful because a lot of people again are ordering stuff online or are shopping abroad and sometimes uh, if you are shopping on one of the online sites and if it is passing through the UK or coming from the UK you may be faced with a custom charge and you will get messages like that uh, from Unpost by email and you'll know they're official because of the Unpost website is usually unpost.ie uh, but when you see something like unpost-parcel-service.com uh, you know it's it's false so just be careful a lot of those going around at the moment and then earlier we were 
were speaking about the changes that were due to, well they are coming in the UK but not here as yet uh, that the celebration tubs if you're out buying your chocolates for Christmas you'll notice the offers are already in the supermarkets and many people are and earlier on this morning reports in the papers that the bounty bar will not be in celebration tubs uh, and this was all was ma- making headlines earlier on this morning but anyhow with all the fury about that people were saying would you miss the bounty and what is your favourite sweet in celebrations but Mars Wrigley came out later this morning uh, or, or an early run and they said that the mini bounty bars they will remain in the celebration tubs in Ireland uh, so they're just doing this trial in the UK uh, but it led to a number of people coming back regarding their favourite sweets and a lot of people uh, do like the bounties and they find that they're an interesting bar this is from Mark who says I do enjoy the bounties why would they get rid of them uh, he feels other snacks or other chocolates in there could be got rid of while the girls in Mallow say the big bars of dark chocolate they are fabulous or maybe they should include more dark chocolate sweets in uh, celebrations or indeed other uh, big tubs of sweets for Christmas and dark chocolate seemingly it's supposed to be okay for you it's good for you seemingly to eat dark chocolate not that uh, chocolate is bad for you but I suppose everything is in how much you consume of it but dark chocolate is, is due to be good anyhow for you uh, so well done to the girls in Malon your dark chocolate and also this is from Emily who says I love this but I think they're out too early this year because what is happening in our household is we're buying the boxes we're buying them for Christmas but we're opening them so no one is gaining only our weight lines <laughs> Emily <laughs> worried about her waistline the weight for Christmas uh, yeah they are out here and I can see where you're coming from people are purchasing all these sweets and then as Emily says unfortunately she's opening uh, the sweets herself and eating them uh, and eating all of them and she said not too worried what's left over bounties or not everybody in her household is tucking into the sweets Uh, your views are welcome on that what's your favourite one in the uh, bounties uh, which will remain here in Ireland in the celebration tubs if you have a favourite or maybe you're a Roses fan or something else let us know 0818 103 103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 and I just want to give a mention because I see text coming in and this is it was on our news service with Barry if you're living in the city north side and this is all areas of the city north side uh, and the higher up you are it affects you more because this evening from 7.30 until tomorrow morning from 6am you will have no water this is due to necessary works being carried out by Irish Water uh, but while they say until 6am tomorrow morning they are uh, letting people know in higher up areas of the north side that the restoration of your water uh, could take five to six hours. So just be aware of that, that while they say the water will come back at 6am, in some areas it may not be back for a while after that. So that hour of the morning people are rushing for work, you're grabbing a shower, you're uh, getting ready for breakfast, maybe have the kettle filled when you come home from work this evening if you're living across the various areas of the city north side uh, because again the higher up you are at the water I don't think anyhow from experience uh, will come back exactly at 6 a.m. So just a word of warning, you'll hear more about that across the afternoon on C103 News. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Bandon Library is hosting a new crafting group. It goes ahead every Tuesday morning and you can pop into the 
the library in Bandon from 10am to 12 noon and work on your project while chatting over a cuppa with like-minded people. All projects and methods are welcome. Buttervent Panta Club and the Dorada School of Dance present their annual panto Jack, Jill and Call That a Beanstalk. It starts at 7.30pm on the 11th and 12th of November at the GAA Hall in Buttervent. A new Irish group Celtic Brothers, they will bring their unique sound to Mitchellstown this November. All in aid of Breakthrough Cancer Research, they play on Saturday, November the 12th from 8pm at Mitchellstown Leisure Centre on Brigham Road in Mitchellstown. And Blarney and District Historical Society, they present an illustrated lecture entitled The Cork Hunger Strike on the 11th of August to the 12th of November 1920. John Mulcahy will present that lecture that's going ahead this evening at 8 o'clock in Blarney Secondary School. And the Simon community, they will be collecting in Mallow Town tomorrow and they appreciate as much support as people can give. And Anam Cara are making additions to their support services to bereaved parents and are offering a 30-minute webinar. This is free of charge and every Thursday evening for the month of November it goes ahead. If you want more information on this, you can call Anam Cara on 085 288888 or email them info at You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. And just on energy bills, when we were chatting there before the break with uh, Emily on uh, email, and this was regarding what she felt was because her bill was issued on the last week of October, she did not receive the energy credit. And she's asking now, does that credit stay there with the electricity company? And will they gain interest on that? Because she feels she won't receive uh, the credit now until the end of December because her bill was issued on the last week of October. Michael has texted though, and he says, I am online now at the moment for his, and he's with, Electric Ireland uh, bill and while on the physical bill when he prints it out the full amount is on the bill but when he goes online to look at his Electric Ireland bill on the homepage it's telling him that he only owes the balance after the credit is allowed so that would apply to a lot of your texters he says well worth a look as his bill cycle was also last week says Michael so for Emily who was on to us and others this morning uh, while physically on the bill you get I'm not too sure if you get your bill in the post or if you print it off, it gives you the full amount. But online, uh, it's saying that the credit was applied. And for Michael, uh, he'll only have to pay the balance of what the bill is after the €200 is taken off his electricity bill. So maybe for those, check that out. If you do uh, your electricity online, while the bill is saying the credit was not applied, according to Michael, for him, it was applied, but it doesn't tell him in the bill, only online. Uh, want to check out and let us know how you get on with that. And then earlier on this morning, I was mentioning uh, the fact that there are 80,000 fewer Irish-born people living in England and Wales today than there were back in 2011 and a number of factors for this and while still people move and go to work in the UK um, in particular in England in cities like London and Leeds and Manchester and others, a lot of people from 2011 since I suppose upwards are going to other countries the likes of Canada and Australia are extremely popular, also the Middle East 
flight Dubai, uh, Abu Dhabi and uh, different parts of the United States and that's maybe one of the factors why there are fewer Irish born people now living in the UK of course there also is the reason that people who were there for years living in Britain have sold up and come home back here to Ireland and sadly also many others have died Uh, but while the Canadian Health Department they are out now targeting Irish nurses here to move to Canada and we saw that uh, with the Australian Health Department from Victoria asking nurses to move to Melbourne I got an email from Maureen uh, to Cork today at c103.ie and Maureen feels in her email that Ireland is no country for young people. When you hear of health agencies from Canada coming here to Ireland to seek Irish nurses, it just got me thinking, why would a young person remain in Ireland, says Maureen? A lot of their social spaces in urban centres are closing, be that nightclubs, bars or more. You then cannot find a place to rent, not to mind a boy, as many feel they will never own their own home due to the high prices. Following the lockdowns, there's mental health issues as we locked up our youth for so long. Yes, that impacted everybody, but they were the ones who would be out most enjoying life. They were unable to do this. And you work to live here in Ireland, whereas in other countries you live and work. But Ireland, Maureen feels, is like New York 20 years ago when work ruled and life was put on hold. Then, with rising costs, why would any young person remain? No help for them, and many continue to struggle in silence. No wonder so many go to other countries. And the reason I write this, says Maureen, is because my daughter is going to Australia for a year next year. But how many in the past have gone for a year? but never came back. We still export our youth in this country like we do with our cattle, uh, says Maureen to Cork today at c103.ie. Your views welcome on that. Do you agree with Maureen? Are we still in that situation whereby a lot of people do go for the adventure and there is the adventurers out there who want to go away for a year. We've all done it. Uh, spend time in Australia or another country. Oz was popular uh, I suppose within the last 10 to 15 years. Then Canada became popular within just under the last 10 years but people have gone to other countries as well just to experience a different way of life and the adventure. Many come home but as Maureen is asking when her daughter jets off to Australia next January if she settles there if she enjoys life there will she come back? Her fear is that she won't. Would many agree with that? Do we still continue to export our youth and is this country simply not a country for young people? Your views are welcome you can call us 0818 103 103 or text us across the afternoon. We'll get to more of those comments on the show tomorrow. Uh, you can email us as well, corktoday at c103.ie. And just something that I spotted during the week and we didn't get time to get to. And last January, uh, the whole nation was in mourning at the death of Ashling Murphy. This is Ashling who was attacked and killed while out for a run on the banks of the Grand Canal near Tullamore. Uh, both the nation will remember her in a memorial walk and run. And that's going ahead this month because uh, Ashling's family and all her friends on Sunday, November the 13th, uh, they are going to 
host an annual remembrance run. It's a 5k run and you can walk as well if you wish and that is going ahead at the Phoenix Park in Dublin. Now, not everybody will be able to go to Dublin so I'm sure you'll see maybe more regional and local ones popping up over the next while but on the 13th of November, that's a Sunday, uh, they are holding that walk in the Phoenix Park in Dublin uh, to remember Ashling Murphy. Um, of course, her death back in January of earlier this year uh, at the Grand Canal near Tullamore and uh, the family remembering her this coming Sunday, November the 13th. Our lines are open 0818 103 103. Keep your vet questions coming. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us next. You can text or WhatsApp your questions to 0862 103 103. And the Premier League live on C103.ie with Trevor Welch. It's back this Saturday from 2pm, powered by TalkSport. We'll bring you live coverage of Manchester City taking on Fulham at 3 o'clock and Everton taking on Leicester City at 5.30. The Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to C103.ie. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 and Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins us for our vet slot this Thursday. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, John Paul. How are you keeping? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? That is good. We're all fine here. And a lot of questions in, though, uh, this Thursday, Jane. So we'll get straight into them. And the first one, Jane, is from Deirdre. And Deirdre has a 10-month-old female golden retriever. Now, she's had her first heat at six months of age. What is the best age to spay her? Because her vet said no, but Deirdre has concerns as she's not fully grown. And she has heard that they are more likely to get cruciate ligament injuries if they're spayed before 12 months old. So can you offer some advice there to Deirdre? Yeah, absolutely. So in the vast majority of patients, we'd normally recommend staying at about six to eight months of age. However, in the larger or giant breed dogs, we would normally recommend a little bit later on. Um, I think our, our listener has been doing some good reading online. Um, so there is a, a small body of evidence to show that kind of early in the large um, some mobility issues later on in life however what I would say is at the moment the evidence is not absolutely outstanding that said it's a simple thing for us to do to delay it slightly in the in the large and giant breeds we don't have the same body of data for let's say small to medium breed dogs it's let's say six to eight months of age being the recommendation there because obviously if we leave it rock on a little bit longer, they're likely to kind of go into heat and then are at risk of having having a teenage pregnancy, as it were, which is something we would all want to avoid. Um, I, I would say for most patients, it's it's really important to chat to your vet and discuss your own specific situation. Um, if you're in a situation where the pet has gone into heat before they were spayed, let's say, and I suppose they all mature at a different age, smaller dogs tend to mature a little bit earlier than larger dogs. So they sometimes run the risk of going into heat sometime between kind of eight, nine, ten months of age, but sometimes can be a little bit earlier, in which case it may be the case your vet might advise that you wait for a few months. So regardless of the age we spay a dog at, we always need to make sure that we're trying to catch them at the right point in their cycle. So every cycle that they have, every heat cycle is like a roller coaster of hormones. And that affects both their own hormones, but also the safety of the surgery. So we want to time the surgery for a time when everything is really, really nice and relaxed 
the roller coaster is at a low point in the hormonal in the hormonal levels and the uterus, the womb itself is not very vascular as would happen around the time of heat. So normally that's about three months after they finish heat would be the sweet spot for timing, timing spaying if they've already had a heat. But I think really it's it's good to put a lot of thought into this. Spaying is definitely the right choice. I, I, it has great benefits for them longer term. It reduces their risk of mammary cancer, so breast cancer longer term. And it prevents serious infections of the womb called a pyometra, which can be life-threatening. So definitely a good thing to do. And have you heard of those accruciment uh, ligament injuries that the Deirdre speaks about there uh, for those yeah. pets? So they, so you can have cruciate ligament injury. So it is, it is essentially the mobility issue. So sometimes it can be uh, osteoarthritis. Sometimes it can be ligament changes or changes in the ligament elasticity, which is what's um, what's kind of proposed as the possible down downsides of spaying before they're kind of sexually mature in the larger and and extra large breeds. But as I say, it's kind of it doesn't seem to have the same body of data in smaller dogs. So it's a less of a concern, as it were. Okay, hopefully that helps you there, Deirdre, on email and on WhatsApp. A question for Jane here. This person says that their dog is coming to bed by night for the past two weeks. Now, she used to come up the odd time before, but not nightly. She normally sleeps on the sofa in the sitting room. Now, she's an older dog, but what's the reason now? She's constantly coming up to the bed uh, for the last two weeks. Okay, so a change in habit is always interesting. It could just be the time of the year. It might be a little bit colder in some parts of the house. I know we're all trying to spare the heating at the moment, um, but it, it can be sometimes a change in weather. Sometimes if, let's say, the bedroom is, is usually the, the warmest place in the house at night, and obviously there's humans in there that are nice and warm to snuggle up to. So sometimes it could be heat-seeking. Um, it could be just a general change of behaviour if we have an older dog as well. So we, we talk a little bit sometimes here about how you know, changes in behaviour as we get a little bit older that are associated with, let's say, a little bit of confusion, disorientation, that can sometimes manifest as subtle things like that, changing sleeping position at night. It doesn't sound like it's a huge problem, but that's really a, a personal thing. Some people would really prefer if they weren't in, in the upstairs part of the house and others are OK with it. So it really depends on your own personal situation. If you're happy with it, I don't see much problem. But what I'd say is that if, if it's something that you don't want them upstairs and you want to have your dog settle, try and make it really, really cosy downstairs and just maybe be mindful of the temperature will be the first thing I'd maybe think of just in case it's a little bit chilly. And that's what's bringing her upstairs. And Eileen is in for Moy. Now, Eileen has a Yorkie, Jane. The Yorkie is 18 months old and he gets nuts in the morning and a bit of chicken or meat in the evening. But he always still seems to be hungry. Eileen wants to know, is she feeding him enough? Mm, difficult to say. I think the best indicator of whether you're feeding him enough is your dog's body condition. So that's kind of his weight, but it's mainly really how much fat covering they have. So, you know, nuts and some chicken sound, sounds okay. I Chicken is, a, is an optional one. I would normally suggest that the, the absolute main part of a dog's diet should be kind of a standard, well-balanced, good quality dog food. Um, but the odd treat here and there is not the worst thing in the world, as long as it's not impacting on their weight. The best thing I could say is have a little look at the back of the pack of your dog food and take your pet to the vet to get weighed so that you can tally up and see exactly how much it's recommended that you feed of that particular nut. And that varies from nut to nut. Very much like if if you or I ate a cookie, it'd be much higher calorie than I suppose a, 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 a anything a slice of bread so it varies widely depending on the calorie content of things so have a little look at that but also maybe pop to your vet for a weight check 
and they'll also assess their body condition score. So the easiest way to do that is to pop to your vet for them to do it professionally. We're well used to doing it, but if you want to do it at home, one simple thing to do is to try and feel your dog's ribs. So feel along the side of the chest. You should be able to easily feel his ribs, but not to see them. The easiest way of thinking about that is if you hold out, let's say, your left hand and you stroke across your fingers with your right hand, it should feel like that. So it should feel like uh, just a soft little undulations under the skin, but not being able to see the ribs. Um, and that will be a good body condition. If it's difficult to feel your dog's ribs, they're probably a little bit portly. And if you can see your dog's rib, they're probably a little bit on the slim side. But as I say, professional help is always best. So if you have concerns, your local vet or vet nurse will be able to help you assess their diet and body condition. Okay and there's another Jane in Mallow and this Jane has a very old cat. He gets a blood bubble though on his eyelid. Any idea what's causing it? Oh okay so that's a slightly unusual one. If it's very bloody it could be injury associated but it could could be a little cyst or a little mass. There's a few things that could be going on there. So it's quite common that sometimes you get little blockages of the hair follicles on the eyelids, so the little eyelashes. That can sometimes cause problems and cause little swellings that go up and down. But it is possible that we can get little masses, so little little tumours essentially on eyelid margins are something that can happen quite frequently in older pets and they, they would need attention and, and monitoring. I would say this warrants a trip to your vet for them to fully assess what it could be because it could be something really simple, harmless, or it could be something that might just need a little bit of taking care of. So I would say visit your vet, get them to look at it and make sure that the, it's not causing any damage to the underlying eye or any discomfort in that way that needs to be dealt with. And Kayla is in Toker. Now, she has an elderly dog, 15 years old. Uh, it seems to be in good health and is happy. But over the last week or so, her dog is vomiting. Now, not every day, uh, but the odd time. She can't understand why this will be happening. She hasn't changed the diet and she's around the dog nearly all the time. Okay. I am... Um I would say this is a change for your pet. And what we always talk about is a change is always an indication to get something checked out. Although the vomiting is not, let's say, really explosive at all day, every day, and it's just a few times, it's still something that would be of a concern, particularly in an older pet. As you say, you haven't changed the diet, so it's unlikely to be a dietary upset unless they've been getting some sneaky treats or something different from what they'd normally eat. So I'd be a little bit concerned, particularly in an older patient, that there might just be something going on in the background and that the vomiting might just be a little bit of an early warning sign for us. So I would say I wouldn't hesitate with this one. I'd book in with your vet for a full full check over. It may be that they might suggest doing some background testing. Some bloods are a very common thing that we do in geriatric patients just to screen for background disease. Well done for noticing and I'd visit your vet with this one. And Michael is in Bishopstown. Now, he is a Labrador, 11 years old. Uh, but within just the last month, he realising this, that when he's out walking uh, with his dog, uh, the dog just wants to sit down. So the Labrador is willing to go for a walk, but maybe about five minutes into the walk, he'll sit down. And no matter where we are, it could be in the middle of a crossing uh, or indeed of a laneway or of a road, he'll just take a seat. He'll be panting, but he seems happy. Everything else is fine. He looks healthy. He's eating food. Uh, but why does he seem to get tired only about five or ten minutes into a walk? Okay, so this sounds to me like exercise intolerance. So essentially the equivalent of you or I not being not being very fit. But it may just not be the case that he's not very fit. It could be there. there's an underlying health reason that his, his heart and his breathing can't cope with exercise. And it's really quite common in older pets. I would suggest additionally 
Another common thing in older pets is mobility issues. So discomfort in the joints, a little bit of osteoarthritis can sometimes make them reluctant to move on walks. But this pattern of just sitting down five minutes into a walk, refusing to move, even though they seem otherwise happy, I, I would say really indicates that you need to visit your vet. I would be concerned that there might be an underlying reason, whether it be a heart problem or a breathing problem or a mobility issue, which is really restricting your pet's ability to exercise. And we want them to be happy and to have a good quality of life and to be able to exercise. But, you know, in addition to that, I would take this as as as, as a sign that really needs investigating at this point before it shows up in, in less, less strenuous activity. So, yes, I'd, I'd visit your vet with this one. I'd be a little bit concerned that there might be a, a background issue going on with the heart or the lungs or the mobility. And just following on from Michael's one, uh, something similar. This is from Dorothy and Carrick Tool. Uh, her dog, he's panting and using his belly a lot to breathe. And this is when he's resting. Uh, she's just worried that he seems to be panting uh, extremely uh, after maybe a, a tiny bit of exercise, but more or less using his belly. He's kind of rubbing his belly along the ground. She can't figure out what is wrong with him. Okay, so if he's using his belly to breathe, so let's say with every breath, it should be nice and relaxed. Mm. Breathing is kind of a passive process. If we're having to actively use the belly to, to suck in the air and then to press the air out, that's what we call abdominal effort. And that's an indicator that a pet is struggling to breathe. I would definitely visit your vet without delay with this pet just to make sure that there's not some reason that they're struggling with their breathing. And the causes can be endless. It can be a problem with the inlet. So whether there's any problem with the nose or the mouth it can be a problem with the lungs themselves it can be fluid built up in the lungs or you know i think once all of those things are ruled out if it is that your pet is let's say rubbing his tummy on the floor that could be normal for him but it really does sound like he has abdominal effort with his breathing and that means that they're struggling so this definitely needs the attention of a vet without delay Okay, Dorothy, uh, best of luck with that and jane thank you uh, for joining us this thursday back again next thursday jane Brilliant. Thank you very much. Take care. Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And just back to energy and the old, those energy credits of electricity bills. Helen is in Blarney. Uh, Helen is with SSE Electricity and she asked them this morning about her €200 euro credit. Now, they replied saying it would take two to three weeks before the credit is taken from her bill. So she wants to know, is that the end of January before she will get the credit? Uh, and she wants to know that electricity get the government's credit well yeah they, every company got the credit so it doesn't matter who you're with you, you'll get the credit regardless of what company you were with uh, but it depends on when you got your bill so uh, Michael earlier on there when we were saying that Emily received her bill last week and there was no mention of the credit on her bill and she just knew uh, from the last time we spoke about this that the credit would not be issued because it was in October uh, the bill was issued so it would be November it's when usually any, any bill from November will get the credit and that's what she assumed but then Michael was saying that when he looked at his bill physically it doesn't mention the credit but when he went online it did show uh, that all he has to pay is the balance after the credit so while his bill came to him last week and was issued in October the credit was applied to him now Helen I don't know when your bill was when you received it as in when it was issued was it only last week or maybe it was mid-October I got mine mid-October I wasn't given the credit because it's well before November so I presume the next time I get the electricity bill which will be mid-December then I will get the credit if you're like me yes you'll get it then in mid-December uh, but when they say oh, there's, it takes two or three weeks before the, the, it's taken from the bill I'm not too sure oh, what they mean by that because 
as Michael explained and those who would have got this credit earlier on in the year it's just taken off your bill so if your bill was 250 uh, you pay 50 euro and that's the way it goes I'm not sure what they mean by that but you will get the credit you are entitled to which you will certainly get ahead of, and you will get that I would imagine if the bill was issued early October middle of December uh, thank you for your call to 0818 103 103 we're back again tomorrow from 10am for Friday's Cork Today my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced enjoy your Thursday afternoon I'm John Paul McNamara Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.